Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to another episode of Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I'm so happy you're here. And I am so happy to introduce to you one of my favorite people in the Down syndrome community, one of my favorite people all together. Tracy Brewer is joining us. Hi, friend. Hi, how are you? What an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, you really are. You really well, are. Thank crazy. you. Thank you. It's mutual. Yes. So Tracy and I met at the organization where Tracy is the executive director, the Down Syndrome Association of Central Kentucky, which services Lexington, Greater Lexington, Kentucky, and pretty far into Eastern Kentucky, right, Tracy? Yeah. Well, we're Central and Eastern Kentucky. Wherever there's a gap and there's not a, a Down Syndrome organization, we fill it. Yeah. If you're in Kentucky, Tracy's your girl. <laughs> well, there's there's others, but yeah, we serve a, a big portion of it. Yeah. I love it. And so uh, Tracy, so DSAC invited me to come speak. And I talked to Tracy a couple of times on the phone and um, we met and I think I probably stayed an extra three hours because we probably got to talking um, and the rest is history. So now we're friends and um, Tracy, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you introduce yourself to my audience with a little more content than me just gushing with love. Okay. So I can just tell by all the nice things you're saying that you're still getting a check. My husband sends you every month to be my friend. <laughs> yes. <Right>? Yes. <laughs> Great. All right. Way to go. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Uh, we met through uh, you coming to speak at VSAC and, you know, there's just some people that it's just like, oh, we think alike, we like, we click. Um, and so uh, you were gracious enough as I was, you know, learning and we're all constantly learning, right? Um, and so I would have questions and you were like, uh, I like your line, let me be your tour guide. Um, I can give you a tour. Um, and so, but that was usually enough to say, okay, I get it, now I can go and, and dive in a little bit deeper um, and then that led to uh, you know you introduced me to COPA which you've referred to a lot on your podcast um, and then I ended up taking their seat uh, two training which is a special ed law class um, and that's just really helped me a lot so I have a daughter who was born with Down syndrome Emily Faith and she's 24 and you know when I was going through the IEP process um, people would say, well, they have to do this or they have to do that. And, you know, it is set up to be very adversarial. And so I really liked my team and I was blessed with a really good IEP team in her elementary school. And I didn't want to be adversarial with them. And yet I wanted to make sure that I was getting what I should get for her. There, there was no I'm so old, like, this is not where you had a laptop and you could Google it, that's how old I am. <laughs> um, 
So, you know. Well, you feel uh, weird if you Google in the middle of a meeting. So I don't you think- do, You do, you yeah. do. Um, but so much has changed. And I think uh, then as I took on more of a leadership role in DSAC grew, um, you know, I really felt this passion for educating other parents um, because there's just not much of that going on in Kentucky. Uh, I know through that, uh, training that I took, you know, there's a lot of states that do a lot of parent education, and there's just not a lot of it going on in Kentucky. And I think that's that's uh, that needs to change um, for our kids, for our parents, and for our schools. Because I think oh, my headphone just died. Um, but um, I, I think the more we all know, the more we can all collaborate, and it doesn't have to be. Well, I think I should get this, or the school says we don't have to do that. Let's hash it out. Let's talk about it. So. Yeah, and that's you know so much of what we, where you and I align, and so much of what we talk about when we aren't talking about bourbon and ice cream and and wine. Hey, we're gonna have to stop for a minute. I'm sorry, my headphones are dying. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, that's okay. So, so sorry. I can yeah, hear you. To your, hang on. I got to switch. Let me get out of this. So I can hear you, if you but you have to hear it's me just too. saying over and over, your headphones are dying. Battery <laughs> low. Sorry. You know what it is? It's because I um, listen to your... It's my fault. Uh, they were like, here we go. Fuzzy. They were, they were, it's not bad, but they were fuzzy. So they're not, so it's fine without them. Better without them. Good. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Good. Okay. Okay. I have a better pair at home, but these were, I got at the office. Okay. Okay. All right. So, I put my arms out, out like this because it makes it easier for Rachel to see where to do it. Okay. That's funny. That's good. That's good to know. <laughs> okay. So that's incredible background. And, um, and you know, your experience as a parent led you to a career, um, which led you to get more training um, and so similar to the way that I approach things, you know, when you see it from the lens of other parents too, you really can kind of look at that interest-based negotiation. You can look at it from an outside lens, which I think is such an asset. And it's something that you and I have talked about before. I don't know for my listeners that that's something that you can actually recreate all that easily, but um, I think that brings an, an added amount of wisdom to what Tracy is going to bring to you um, today. So Tracy, today kind of our topic is parent empowerment, but we're recording this in March um, and I'm going to publish it in March because it is World Down Syndrome Awareness Month. Um, of course, we celebrate Down Syndrome Awareness Day on Yay. March 21st in many communities. Um, so why don't you tell everybody why we celebrate in March on March 21st um, and why it's so important? Yeah. Um, well, March 21st uh, is World Down Syndrome Day because people with Down Syndrome have three copies of the 21st chromosome. So 321, March 21st. 
Um, so um, that that makes that day very meaningful. Um, and you know, I really I could go into the background of the United Nations, you know, adopted it, blah 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 blah. But what I think is so cool about it is when you say we celebrate people with Down syndrome. I think for people who aren't in um, the world of living with people with a disability or living with people with Down syndrome, it takes them aback. Like you celebrate, like you're glad, yeah. you know. And so I love that you know we actually yes we celebrate we celebrate Jack. And we celebrate Emily Faith and we celebrate all people with Down syndrome because they are to be celebrated. Um, our world would be not good without people with disabilities. Um, I could have used a better adjective there, but um, <laughs> it just would not be good. We cuss uh, here. It's okay to cuss if you want it. You could have said oh, shitty. Right. Boring. shitty. Yeah. Um, boring. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, and even, you know, before I had a child with Down syndrome, I would have been one of those that was taken aback. And so I think the more we get it out there and we say, um, yes, my child has Down syndrome. It's great, <laughs> you know, and we, you know, I don't think we have to shout their worth. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not a big, I don't like that. I'm going to shout, shout their worth, you know, we just need to put it out there and, they're, they will do the rest. And so all we need is we celebrate people with Down syndrome. Take it away. <laughs> yes. And that is that is so beautiful. At the very least, that's what we can do is we can live out loud. We can live in a way where people notice and people see that celebration. So Tracy, the first year we did our buddy walk here in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, I think, still has the biggest buddy walk in the country. Cincinnati is a very benevolent city. Um, and when we had our first buddy walk, um, it lined up on the same day as a diabetes walk. And there were, so after the buddy walk, we almost always go to the same restaurant and there were people there in their diabetes walk shirts. And the diabetes walk um, shirt said, two, four, six, eight, what's the disease that we hate? Diabetes. And I was like, how could you hate it? You know, and naively, I honestly did not at that time, I now have lots of clients and friends that have children that have diabetes and friends that are diabetic and I've talked to them more. Yeah. I don't think I understood like the anxiety um, piece of, of diabetes and how it truly is so, so dangerous um, to have diabetes and it's so tedious to monitor diabetes and, and, and to care for a loved one that has diabetes. So I was very naive in that thought, but... I also was coming from an environment where 13,000 people were walking with bright yellow or bright blue shirts on to be like, yeah, Down syndrome. And yeah. I was like, why would you hate it? Why would you not embrace it? And I, I do think, I mean, admittedly, I think it would be very difficult to embrace something that could be like instantaneously fatal, like diabetes. And I think it's important to say that, you know, to know that, but at the same time, down syndrome in and of itself is not instantaneously fatal. It isn't, there is, there is nothing, nothing that is not worth celebrating. And the thing for me is I get to learn so much because I have Jack. I get to see things that I wouldn't see otherwise. I get to see things differently. Um, 
And I get to share my kid in a totally different way and, and highlight him and spotlight him differently than I, I would if he did not have that extra chromosome. So I agree Absolutely. with you. Yeah. And the people we meet along the way, you know? Um, so it's great. Yes. Yes, like, yes. like Tracy Brewer. So Tracy, um, I'm sure that DSAC does a celebration. Why don't you kind of just, you know, in case some of my audience wants to celebrate World Down Syndrome Day, what are some ways that people can celebrate? Oh gosh, there's a ton of ways. So um, the first is really simple. It's to wear mismatched socks and that's gone for years and years. And I got to be honest with you, when this movement first started, I was like, I don't get that. I don't get that at all. What does mismatched socks have to do with Down syndrome? Me too. You know, I'm a little ornery anyway. So I was like, I'm not wearing mismatched socks. I don't get it. That's silly. Um, but then, you know, if I will open my mind and learn a little bit, um, it's because socks um, can look like a chromosome. And so we're celebrating that everyone is not the same. Uh, differences are good. So mismatch socks. Um, so you can just put on a pair of mismatch socks. Um, we've made tie-dye socks before. There's a company called Pals uh, that does some really cute socks that kids just love and mothers rave about. My kids are all grown, so I don't have to buy their socks anymore, thank goodness. Um, <laughs> But um, they're evident like, and so they give a certain proceeds back for that. Um, we do a lot of school presentations on um, World Down Syndrome Day if it falls during the week. And so, you know, that's a great opportunity um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, anything, you know, that takes hours and hours to put together, but even just going into, um, if you have a child with Down syndrome or if you're a teacher, there's great books out there about, um, you know, Down syndrome. Um, and so just reading a book. Um, Penn Station Subs, uh, all up and down East Coast, um, is doing Roundup for Down syndrome. So take your family out to Penn Station, what, whatever's closest to you. And they will donate, if you round up, they will donate that to the Down syndrome organization in that area. So, um, you know, if you're on the East Coast, eat at Penn Station before March 21st, round up for Down syndrome, and you'll be helping a Down syndrome organization. Um, can, I, can I toot the horn of the DSAGC again? Yes. Because Penn Station is headquartered in Cincinnati, and we piloted that program with our local organization, mm -hmm. and then they took it everywhere else. So they pretty did. Proud of that. Yeah. Yes, and we are very thankful um, for that. We took um, on... Tuesday nights, we usually have a Zoom call with our college age uh, students and above. And so we ditched the Zoom call last night and we actually went to Penn Station. And it was the first time we'd you know, gotten together since the pandemic. Um, and we had so much fun. And it was great because, you know, we were there, but the people before us and the people after us, you know, it's like, would you like to round up for Down syndrome? And they were like, sure, you know, and yeah. I think that's because we were there you know but of course I had my executive director hat on and I was listening like is everybody rounding <laughs> and they were Me too. yeah I did that when I go too I'm like what are they going to do are they going to round up what are they doing um, and they do. yeah but it's made hundreds of thousands of dollars for local down syndrome associations um and I think 
Um, and it's a really great program. So yeah, go out and celebrate. I'll tell you um, what we're doing is we are celebrating um, inclusion. Jack is at a middle school transition aged. And so we're finishing up in our elementary school and he just has this wonderful group of buddies. He's had phenomenal educators. And so our board meeting happens to be on March 21st. So we have a gaggle of girls and boys that are leaving fifth grade um, that are gonna wear their crazy socks. And I've invited all of Jack's teachers um, and we're gonna go celebrate inclusion at the board meeting. Jack and I are gonna do a little two minute yeah. thing, or our family. Um, and um, one of his friends is gonna do a two minute thing and then we're gonna go get ice cream. Oh, that's great. That's what we're gonna do. Okay, yeah. so Tracy, um, when you introduced yourself, you talked um, a little bit about your COPA training, your seat training, your your experiential training, um, and just supporting families in your community through your role at um, the Down Syndrome Association in your area. Um, and I think you know, kind of approaching it from all those different ways is super important. So you know, all of that, your experience over the years has really, I know, made you super passionate about parent empowerment, which is like the foundation of what we do here at Ashley Barlow Company. So um, why, don't, why don't we start off by having you tell us why you think empowering parents to advocate for their children in special education is so, so important? Well, I think you and you, I've seen it over and over and you've seen it over and over, but when a parent comes into a meeting and you know, has a general idea of, I, I you know, it's, it's huge to know the law inside and out, right? But if you know those things like um, meaningful participation and informed consent and uh, prior written notice, I mean, just a few of those buzzwords, right? Um, it changes the whole atmosphere of that meeting. Um, you know, and people sit up a little bit straighter and they're like, oh, um, and, and I'm not saying that schools are trying to get one over on anybody, but it's like anything else, anything else that you do, if you go in and you're informed, you're gonna be treated with a higher level of respect with anything you do in life, anything. Yeah. Um, and it, the same is true when you go to that IEP meeting. Um, and so, um, you know, I think just knowing that builds um, a better team atmosphere. Like, okay, um, she's, she's done her homework. We respect that. Um, and, you know, let's move on from there. Um, before when I, when Emily was in school, you know, it, I kind of got to be, it kind of got to be a joke because I would stop every, like every sentence. And what does that mean? But what does that mean? Okay. And I just took crazy notes and I wasn't being adversarial. That was how I learned. Yeah. So then, you know, after a few years, it was like, Okay, Tracy, do you know what that means? And I was like, I know what that means. <laughs> you know, but they they wanted to make sure you were empowered with information because that yes. was a pattern that you had established. Right. And um, so I think when you know you don't have to know all the answers, you don't have to take a special education law class, but if you go in and you know you've you've learned some and 
you know some buzzwords and you've done some reading and you've done some homework, um, it just, it builds a, a different atmosphere. And then, you know, what you're saying is, I want to work together as a team. I want what's best for my child. So I'm going to ask a lot of questions. And I, I talk to a lot of parents who are like, oh, well, we just, we don't feel comfortable asking questions. We're afraid we'll look stupid. And I'm like, no, actually the opposite is true. I think schools really appreciate when parents want to know the answers, when they ask the questions, when they're really digging in deep, like help me understand Mr. OT, like help me understand these scissors that you keep talking about. Can you get a pair? Can I see them? Because I know you work with them every day, but I have no idea what you're talking about. You know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sure. Yeah. I've got, let me just run to my office and grab a pair and let me show you. And, the, and it's just like, suddenly we're on this same playing field and it's, we don't, the tension is broken uh, in a lot of ways. It, so when you said it happens everywhere, it immediately made me think about when Griffin, when I was delivering Griffin, um, he so I had this terrible experience. Like the doctor treated me like I didn't know anything. The nurse treated me like I didn't know anything. And, and I liked many of the doctors in my group. I had a feeling I wasn't going to like this one if he delivered my baby and I just, you know, couldn't, couldn't hold, hold it together yeah. Yeah. long enough to not deliver him when this guy was on, um, on duty, so to speak. Well, Ashley, yeah. you could have done better than that. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's just... He was the sweetest little guy. I don't know why he didn't wait. Like he's, he's, he's a waiter. I don't know why he came early, but geez, Louise. So, and, and when I went to find, it was such a terrible experience that when I went to find a different doctor, I found a guy and he said, oh, the hospital where you deliver has 70, well, 70% of their births are Medicaid, paid by Medicaid. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's, it's a terrible stereotype. And it's something that we are really addressing here at our hospital. There's that where I delivered second, wasn't the statistics weren't that high, but he said, Ashley, it's terrible. They treated you like you were nothing that like you were a clinic an uninformed clinic delivery, and they shouldn't treat the clinic deliveries that way. They shouldn't treat right. people that way at all. And they, but they, but they also shouldn't have treated you that way when you were saying X, Y, and Z to advocate for yourself. Now, of course I was in horrendous pain and that was part of the problem that would give me an epidural. Um, and so my advocacy skills weren't working. My husband finally called my parents and said, can you come in and advocate for her? Because it was just terrible. Mm -hmm. um, and what you're saying, like tie that experience into schools. You and I read so many they're called conference summaries in Kentucky, but prior written notices mm -hmm. um, that say parents came in, we read the IEP, nobody had any questions, and we adjourned an hour and 15 minutes later. That right. is the status quo. And in order for you to be an informed parent, you are going to have to say what Tracy just said. Um, help me understand that. I don't understand that. You're going to have to go in with your binder that's organized so that they see that you know. You're going to have to go in. You are changing 
a stigma, really. You are changing the, the pattern that they're into so much of parents that are like, hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. And so, so you have a job to do and you can do the job, right, Tracy? Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I mean, I've never been to an IEP meeting before in my life. And, you know, I, I, that is probably, uh, we'll call it uh, an endearing quality of mine is that I just, I ask questions. I'm not uncomfortable asking questions. Sometimes I probably should be uncomfortable when I ask questions, but I'm not. And so when I talk to parents and I'm always, you know, in my role uh, at DSAC, I'm always happy to go to an IEP and I always tell never go to an IEP by yourself. Just don't do it. Um, I mean, if you have to grab your neighbor and say, just come write notes. Um, But I will tell parents, you know, I'm glad to go with you, but you are the one who needs to speak up. You are the one who needs to say, help me understand that. And then, you know, if something's going, you know, side rail um, or off the rails, then, you know, that's the time when, you know, you have an advocate there with you to help with that. But just, you know, the everyday questions and trying to get to know, you need to ask those, not your advocate, you are your child's advocate. And so we would never, you know, we would never just send our child to um, soccer, to their first soccer game without going to the meeting and finding out what equipment do they need? Who's their coach? Who's going to be on their team? And what do I, I've never played soccer. What do I need to know about soccer? What is that big net thing over there? And why do they keep running back and forth? We're going to know that, right? Even if you've never played soccer, even if you don't know sports, you're going to do that because that's your job as parents. Yeah. It's the same with an IEP. And I get, and I'll tell you a pet peeve of mine. I get it. I'm a, I'm a mom who has, I have five kids and um, Emily has Down syndrome. And I know moms and dads get tired and they get tired of advocating and they feel like they're advocating at the doctor. They're advocating at the grocery store. You know, they're advocating everywhere they go. You're trying to like, no, she can order her own food. I don't need to order it for her. So you're constantly advocating. And, you know, we sometimes get this and I'm really going off. off I love it. I love it. I would interrupt you if I didn't like it. Okay. Um, (laughs) But you would, Um, (laughs) but you sometimes, and I know we get tired and sometimes we just need to vent, but, you know, when I read posts and things like, I'm just so tired, this is what it's like to be a mom of a kid with special needs. And, and it's not that it's not true. But you know what? You just got to get over it. Yeah. And you got to, you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other. And if, of course, we have to take care of ourselves. But if you, as my grandmother um, from Eastern Kentucky would say, we're not going to waller in that. We're not, we're not going to waller like a pig in slop. We're not going to waller in that. Yes, yes, you are a mother who has a child with special needs. Take a minute, take a big sigh and move on. Pull up your big girl panties. That's right. And you, <laughs> you know, you've got to do that. And so saying, I'm shy. I don't really like to ask questions in an IEP. 
I bet if they were playing baseball, you would ask questions about baseball. I bet if you didn't like the ref's call, um, you would, you know, find out why that call was made or be talking to somebody about it. And, you know, I'm Tracy, soapbox here. I, but that's an important soapbox to be on because I sometimes I have to be tough on my clients like that. And there is truly a, a very extensive line of cases that say the parents had an opportunity and they did nothing and therefore the parents lose. And so we not only have a right, but we actually have an obligation to advocate Absolutely. for our kids. So Absolutely. that's the long and short of it. That's what courts have said. Um, but I also think there's an opportunity. I was raised with that kind of tough love that you just articulated. Mine is um, is also Kentucky kind of Southern um, <laughs> tough love. And um, it, it, and though, I also think sometimes we just have to refuel. We have to find a way to become inspired. You know, we have to watch the movies, we have to read the books, we have to connect with the people, we have to go to the conferences because Tracy and I are two of the most passionate, empowered um, women that I know and passionate, empowered advocates as well. But we both go through phases where we're like, wah, wah, I don't think I have it anymore. Of course. Um, and so, you know, reading the books, my podcast episode last week was a result of me kind of tapping back into um, some of the heart behind advocacy because you just get tired. And so somehow you have to find that advocacy. Tracy, so I like to give people the nuts and bolts, right? Like this is, this is like the cloud of why. Mm -hmm. And to a large extent, we're probably preaching to the choir because if people are listening to her, then they're like, yes, I know I need to be involved. So the question is, what do people need to know in order to be effective advocates, in order to be empowered with information? Um, I think you need to understand uh, the and we've kind of talked about this, but the important role that parents play that, yes, you are one member of that team, um, but what you have to say carries a lot of weight um, and it should. Um, I think, um, and you did not ask me to say this, but I love the parent advocacy lab that you've put together. And we, um, you know, did you just say I did not pay you to say that? You, you did not. No, <laughs> I I am I'm being very genuine here. You're um, right, but that was cute. That I, I like that. I'm so thankful that you put that together because it's been a springboard, um, and and we purchased it, and I teach a class every year, and so we watch your video, and then um, we do a, a little bit of a deeper dive. And then I send, in addition to the stuff that you have, I send like Kentucky relative documents, like how do you file a state complaint? What does mediation look like? Um, what are the I, what's the IEP guidance document? And so what I tell them is we're building your toolbox. So you always hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And you may not need this this year, but you know, there's gonna be a rocky year somewhere. There is going to be a rocky year. And, you know, so taking a course like that, if you're not in Kentucky, if you're somewhere else and you hear of any educational things to help you with that, do that. Get involved with your school. Get to know your principal. Um, 
go to the board meetings? Is there a special education advisory council? There should be at your school. Join it. Um, you know, all the things that, you know, you don't have time for, that's what you need to do. Uh, you need to read the books. Um, a little less Netflix. Yeah, you need to, but that's, you know, that's really what you need to do. So, and I want to add one thing because I agree, like what the lab has is um, the framework of the law and mm -hmm. the advocacy strategy. Pete, you can do it through Pete Wright books. He has the framework of the law. He literally has the law published in a book. And then there is Pam, what he says is Pam Wright's book, but it's written by both of them um, from Emotions to Advocacy. That is the, the framework and the negotiation strategy. You can do it with other negotiation books. You can do it with other special education books. Um, but I think another important thing is the content. So if your child has ADHD, I think it's super important to read, 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 read about ADHD and to see what matches you. I'm in my home office and there is probably, oh, 20 inches of books on ADHD. As I try to figure out Jack, I, I continue to try to look. If you want to have an inclusion article, you need to buy the Paula Kluth books and, and read, not article, argument, and mm -hmm. read about inclusion. If you have dyslexia, you've got to read Sally Shayowitz's book. And I think that's so valuable. So you have to know the special education framework, the content, sometimes even teaching strategies, um, and then how to get it, the advocacy piece of it. And if you can match up that triangle of knowledge, um, then, then you've got it. And there are efficient ways to get it, right? Right. And, you know, I think, and I was so naive. I was like, oh yeah, well, these, I'm sending my daughter to school. They know all about Down syndrome. No, they don't. You know, they know a little bit about it. Um, they're, you know, they're really thankful when you come in and say, hey, I read this book, How to Teach Reading to People with Down Syndrome. And we've been doing this since Emily was four. And, you know, could we find a way to do that? That's how Emily learned to read. And she learned it in kindergarten and first grade. But all the kids learned using the same strategies. So Was it Natalie Hale? Uh, it's, um, oh, I've got it on my bookshelf over here. I know. Natalie Hale, whole child reading. No, it's um. Uh, we used whole child reading by Natalie Deanna Hale. Deanna Horsemeyer. Deanna Horsemeyer. Deanna Horsemeyer is what Tracy used. Both endorsed by us. I agree entirely. So Tracy, last question. My one of my favorite things. I think it might be my favorite thing, but. I, I didn't think about it long enough. So I'm just going to put it in my top three favorite things about Tracy Brewer is your empathy. So you and I just displayed that we were not raised with sympathy. Nobody ever felt sorry for us. And you and I each, um, I always say God forgot to sprinkle the, from the sympathy shaker when he made me. I just don't ever really feel sorry for people. <laughs> It was like, oh, sympathy, we'll just leave that out. My whole family's <laughs> like this. My whole family. My grandmother raised eight kids. And and somebody would like, what? My uncle broke two arms. And she gave him toast that was cold by the time she got back to it with a pat of butter and a cup of tea. That's what you got no matter what your ailment was. 
cold toast. Figure it out. Cold toast with unmelted butter and a cup of tea. And I say to my kids, I hope you feel better. And that's it. My husband had cancer. I hope you feel better. I don't feel sorry for people, but I have this crazy empathy. And I think that's why I appreciate it when I see it in other people. And your empathy, your ability to look at somebody else's perspective, to step into somebody else's shoes and to really say, I wonder how they're feeling. And then to act on your intuition on what your body gives you by way of that is just impeccable. So thank you. Well, you're very welcome. And what I would like, because that's not natural for some people, um, and maybe it isn't natural for you and it's just practiced, what, what can people do or how can people shift their mindsets to be more empathetic? Because that's such an important tool at the advocacy table. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of that is just like you said, it comes from, you know, tough love and I've got five kids and, you know, I not raised, you know, very loving family, but there was no like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry, you know, well, did you take your medicine? Well, if you didn't take your medicine, you're not going to get better. What do you want from me? (laughs) Don't you all feel sorry for my kids right now? (laughs) But I think uh, empathy is, you know, you do have to look, and so often it's like, you got to go into that IEP and you've just, you have to be adversarial. And it's like, you know what? I also have a daughter who's a teacher, a middle school teacher of all things, and she chose that age. Ugh. Um, and so I know, like, I, I see her perspective and I see, like, I've got 20 kids on an IEP in my social studies class, you know, and how she worries about that. So if we go in and we automatically think, oh, those teachers, they're just trying to get through another IEP. I just don't think there's teachers get together and are like, you know what, let's find something to not give them in this IEP, right? Right. So if we can put that empathy hat on and think, wow, they've had a long day. I've had a long day, but we're here and I appreciate that. And I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to appreciate where they're coming from today. Um, And then after you've done that, and, you know, if you, you're an intuitive person, then you're going to know, okay, I've given you the benefit of the doubt and it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. So, but for the most part, and then, but the thing about empathy is when you give it, you'll get it right back. And so we have to give it first. Um, you give it, you'll get it right back. Yeah. You will. That might be the secret. And it's so simple. But that might be the secret. And that might be why you're good at what you do. Uh, Well, I appreciate that. But, you know, when I'm behind the the elderly person that probably should not be driving on the road right now, I think, oh, gosh, another 20 years, that's going to be me. I'm going (laughs) to person. I'm not gonna like speed around them or honk my horn or whatever. Well, you can think, right. You can think about how wildly terrible that's going to be for you. And so you give those people a little bit more grace. Yeah. 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 I could not be a teacher. (laughs) Oh yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I tried it. 
<laughs> Tracy, how can people find DSAC? You have a phenomenal website with lots of resources um, that I'm sure would benefit people that aren't even in Kentucky. So how can people find DSAC online? Absolutely. So it's Down Syndrome Association Central Kentucky. So the acronym is DSACK.org. And that's our website. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, Twitter, all the, you know, all the social medias. Um, so we'd love to have you drop by and, um, you know, my contact information is on the website. So always happy to talk to anyone and help any way I can. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. I'll love see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Bye.